This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. My name is Benny Johnson. Today is Thursday, January 11th, 2024. Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley battled out on a CNN debate that was watched by nobody and that looked a lot more like a parent-teacher conference, to be quite honest. Uh, Donald Trump reveals he has chosen his vice president and that revenge shall be the dish served cold for his administration. We'll get into everything that happened last night with the Donald Trump town hall, right? Wasn't really a debate, town hall. And the new thing that Fox News is doing with Donald Trump, that's gonna be so interesting. Vivek Swamy joins the show from the campaign trail in Iowa. My name is Benny Johnson and this is The Benny Show. We are out here. This is our live. We were live for more than three hours last night. We were excited to be there for you. We are out here for you, and we have some big things coming. We shall be, uh, I think we shall be going to Iowa, actually. We've been invited to go to Iowa um, to go and see the inside of the uh, caucus process and to go in bed uh, with, uh, actually cover a number of different things that are happening there. And so we'll be taking this show, I think, to Iowa. Why not? That's what's so fun when you have your own show. When you run your own show, you're just like, let's go to Iowa. Let's go. Let's go to Iowa. Pull up the plane. I don't have a plane. I I don't have a plane. But I'd like to, it's fun. It's fun to say that, right? As I stand there at the American Airlines gate. Seat C-38. Uh, but hey, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to follow along with the show and if you want to travel along with us, I certainly recommend that you use the cell phone carrier that we use because the cell phone carrier that we use keeps us connected and allows us to be able to do Rolls Royce. When we just talking about with like, I walk in the studio, I'm like, why aren't we in Iowa? Let's just go to Iowa. And we do pick up the phone and call a bunch of people running for president. Like, let's go to Iowa. And they're like, yeah, totally come to Iowa. Patriot mobile keeps us connected so that we can do things like this, right? It's imperative that we have good cell phone service and they are the ones that we trust. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Benny today or call 972-PATRIOT and get free activation when you use the offer code Benny. Join me today, make the switch, patriotmobile.com slash Benny, patriotmobile.com slash Benny. Stay connected with us. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, free speech is what Patriot Mobile is about. Free speech is what we're about. Free speech is what last night was about. And Donald Trump was very interesting last night because Donald Trump was not what he was during the CNN town hall. A couple of months ago, there was a CNN town hall. It's very interesting to watch sort of the differences. And there was this, there was, uh, we, we hope that you joined us live last night, uh, Fox News, Donald Trump town hall, plus the CNN, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, parent-teacher conference that was happening on the other network. And then Vivek Raswan was also live on Tim Pool's show. And so we covered it all last night, but it was very interesting as you observe these things to, to see Two or three different things, okay? So number one, Donald Trump uh, did not uh, act deeply aggressively towards Fox. Fox, on the other turn, did not attack Donald Trump, which they've been known to do. So Brett Baer and Martha McCallum are like Mr. and Mrs. like fussy McFussy pants. Oh, Donald Trump, he's the threat to democracy. And also he's a threat to all of our socialite parties and all of our cocktail parties, right? 
Brett Baer and Martha McCallum, and I'm trying to dunk on them, but they're definitely not pro-Trump anchors at Fox. And Fox has a couple of pro-Trump anchors. Greg Gutfeld's a good example, and Jesse Waters is another good example. But they don't ever ask those people to moderate a debate. Fox News never had Tucker Carlson moderate a debate. Tucker Carlson worked at Fox for a decade. Tucker Carlson never moderated a single debate. So enraging, actually. So irritating, actually. And so silly. Because we'd love to have Tucker Carlson moderate a debate, right? But nonetheless, uh, they picked two anchors that don't really like Donald Trump at all, but the anchor stayed out of it. And that's what I thought was very interesting last night. So the anchors weren't like, but Mr. President, you, you incited an erection. You're inciting an erection to me right now. Like they didn't do that. They didn't do that. Fox News was very hands off, very gloves off, super positive, uh, a positivist view for from Fox and a change in tone because Fox has been very like rabidly anti-Trump, to be quite honest. You could describe as many of their broadcasts. And so, the, you know, and also getting rid of people like Tucker and Dan Bongino, who had shows on Fox just not too long ago, uh, who were big time pro-Trump. And so it is a shift. There's been a tactical change for Fox News. Uh, what I find very interesting and what makes us so unbelievably cucked and so unbelievably weak as a movement is that we don't take the people who speak on behalf of us, the Dan Bonginos of the world, the Tucker Carlson's of the world, the Bennies of the world, right? If, if I may be so bold, like I would love to moderate a debate someday. I got years of work to do, right? But it would love to, I would love to have this show moderated. Why not? Why shouldn't we, like, I, we work every single day. We show up and we grind for hours and hours and hours live a week or sometimes hours a day, like grind, hit the road. Like we do our best to make sure that we're connected with our audience and connected with the base. So why shouldn't we moderate a debate? Like, don't we have, don't we know more about what the Republican base wants? Isn't that the point? Like to speak on behalf of the Republican voters out there and conservatives and just like freedom-minded people and then to like live inside of some, like some, some orbit. So, like, I have nothing against Brett Bear. I've met Brett Bear a couple times. Super nice to me. But, bro, that dude is worth tens of millions of dollars. That guy is rich. He just sold his house in D.C. for $40 million. It was public, you know, public public information. Like, does Brett Bear actually speak on behalf of Republicans? Oh, he lives in a different universe. And so, like, it'd be nice to get a Tucker Carlson to moderate a debate. The left has absolutely no problem putting rabid, lunatic-level, frothing at the mouth, like screechy activists in order uh, on stage with guys like Donald Trump. They did so actually just a few months ago. Donald Trump agreed to a CNN town hall, which was really uh, Donald Trump come on stage uh, at, our, at our town hall with an activist named Kate Land Collins, a screechy, visceral, frothing at the mouth, anti-Trump activist, and then get interrupted for 90 straight minutes, 120 straight minutes, which is exactly what happened. Why do Republicans agree to this? I don't know. This was this was the result. I'm going to show you the difference, right, between the two debates. This was what Donald Trump, this was the Donald Trump that showed up to the CNN debate. Watch. Back to what happened on that day. He you said did you not say that. You he has testified that. Mr. He did President. not say that. But you said you weren't very involved that day. You did tell your supporters to come to Washington. You tweeted about it, about sure, that speech that happened on the rally. Am I allowed so to they, say that? When they went to the Capitol and they were breaking into the Capitol, smashing windows, injuring police officers, why did you? Why did it take you three hours to tell them to go home? I don't believe it did. Oh, let me pull it out. I have to pull it out. <laughs> 
answer. Can I, do you mind? I would like for you to answer the okay, question. Okay, it's very simple to That's answer. That's why I asked it. It's very simple to, you're a nasty person, I'll tell you. Can you answer why you... I gotta pull it out. I gotta win. Did did all did, did everybody collectively gasp when you if you were watching that live? Maybe the last time you've ever watched CNN live, you ever said, "Hey, honey, how do I get to CNN <laughs> remote?" I was doing that. I remember that moment. I was watching that with you. And is it wait? How do, how do we watch CNN? Hold on, <laughs> let's figure this out. Donald Trump. Oh, I've got to whip it. Do I have to whip it out? I've got to whip it out. You're a nasty woman, he says to Kate Land Collins. That was a very fierce and ferocious Donald Trump and was very, very different than the Donald Trump that we saw last night. So there were two tactical changes, right? So instead of the rabid anti-Trump moder moderators like sitting there and you know spitting bile in Trump's face the whole time, but you're an insurrectionist, sir. Like instead of that, it's like so degrading that we even have to expect that on Fox as well. We got the moderators backing off and, and literally not really inserting themselves or their own editorial in the process at all, which was awesome, which was great. And a huge round of applause for Fox News for, for like pulling the dogs back and being like, just let the man talk, right? Don't interrupt him, as you saw there with uh, Kate Lance Collins on CNN. Activist, not reporter, not journalist, like hardened left-wing activist. Of effectively, like she's... She is campaigning for a spot on The View, right? Like that, that, that's the next career move for a Caitlyn College, like The View host. Donald Trump would have been as, as better served getting interviewed by Whoopi Goldberg. So the, the debate moderators stayed the hell out of it and just let regular Iowans talk to Trump. Some of them loved Trump. Some of them didn't like Trump. It was very much better conversation. I think you would agree. Um, two, Donald Trump was very, very presidential. Donald Trump was chill. Donald Trump was on aggressive. He didn't like pull any stunts, right? There's no paper. There's no like gotcha moment. Donald Trump was deeply presidential, deeply calm, very confident, very like strong, very different Trump, right? You have the campaign Trump. You have sort of like Trump all over, like whatever they fed Trump before he went on stage, give him that meal every time. And I, I really loved seeing it. Donald Trump was asked a couple of questions that could be seen as needling, right? The dictator question, the retribution question. I am your retribution, Donald Trump said. But listen to the way that he answered it in like actually quite a um, genuflecting uh, and genteel manner. This was the Trump we got last night. Watch. Well, first of all, a lot of people would say that that's not so bad. Look what they did. Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. The FBI Twitter hoax. The 51 intelligence agents hoax. All of these different hoaxes that they did. I mean, you know, a lot of people would say. That's probably quite normal. I'm not going to have time for retribution. We're going to make this country so successful again. I'm not going to have time for retribution. And, and remember this. Our ultimate retribution is success. Our, our ultimate retribution is success. Wow, look at this hair. Can you guys tell that we were live till midnight last night? <laughs> I could come home, like, come home, like, hit the bed. Look at that pillow hair. Wow, look at that. This is amazing. Jeez. I promise you I'm not. I promise you that I'm not myself. Uh, campaigning to be Donald Trump's, uh, to be Donald Trump's body double. Uh, also, dangerous job that would be these days. <laughs> and we'll get to Donald Trump's VP pick, Tucker Carlson, being a guy who said that um, they're out to assassinate Donald Trump because they can't stop him anymore. And I think this is why you're seeing this. This is why you're seeing this demeanor for Donald Trump because it's it's kind of in the bag, right? 
like we'll get to polling here in just a second, but it's like it's Donald Trump is in such a commanding position and his position is getting stronger, not just on his Republican opponents because LOL, but on on Joe Biden. It's becoming panic time for Joe Biden. I mean, we covered earlier in the week. The real president, Barack Obama, is having to book meetings with the courts that he installed in the White House to scream at him. This is according to The Washington Post. Barack Obama screaming at Joe Biden like, what is wrong with you? It's so it's so it's so bloody interesting. But anyway, Donald Trump with one of the better lines of the night last night talking about, hey, like you people are arguing about war in Gaza, war in Ukraine. I'm the only guy that gave you no wars, right? This is the calm, in-command, commander-in-chief to be. Go. Uh, I think he had very little chaos. I think most of the chaos was caused by the Democrats constantly going after me. And remember this. Remember that with phony, Russia, Russia, Russia. I mean, if you look at Ukraine, 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 everything was phony. Uh, The FISA warrants, the uh, lying to Congress, They had chaos. They were the ones that caused the chaos. We didn't have chaos. We got the biggest tax cuts in history, the biggest regulation cuts in history. I had no wars. I'm the only president in 72 years. I didn't have any wars. And come on, baby. People were like going like this in the audience. Very calm, very genteel Trump and Fox News making a huge change. Fox News not no longer major sea change at Fox. Fox News no longer like, we're going to get him this time. Gotcha. Donald Trump. Does the career destroy? Like, no more of that from Fox. It was really neat to see. And those, Brett Baer and Mark McCallum are the two anchors who would totally pull that kind of stuff. But sir, aren't you a racist? Like, it's, it's so, it's so old. It's so embarrassing. Aren't you Hitler? It's so embarrassing at this point. Donald Trump is, as somebody who knows his inner orbit really well and somebody I don't pretend to be his best friend or to like be able to pick up a phone call and call him. Um, But we do know a lot of the people who operate around Donald Trump, like the way you get business deals done is uh, bringing people back into the circle, like going to war with them, winning that war and then bringing them back into the fold. Right. And like, like acquisitions. Okay. Mergers, acquisitions, conquest is what you'd call it in the field of war. And this is a battlefield. And yesterday, um, one of the larger uh, war blimps um, uh, from the First World War uh, decided to crash land, and that would be Chris Christie. And Chris Christie did a event which looked like he was like holding a bunch of people at a senior citizen center hostage and announced that he's no longer running for president. And Donald Trump reacted to that by saying, hey, listen, come join my campaign. <laughs> Very interesting tact for a guy who's like, Chris Christie was clearly just running a campaign, media-funded campaign against Donald Trump. Uh, Trump being like, join the party, pal. This is a very interesting tie-in to what's about to happen with Trump's VP pick. Watch. You know, Chris Christie was uh, in, and uh, he got a hot mic I heard about. I thought, actually, the bigger story wasn't the fact that he dropped out. Nobody cared too much about that. But he had a hot mic where he was talking to somebody about uh, the weather, and he happened to say that she doesn't have what it takes. She'll be creamed in the... In the election. And I mean, I know her very well, and I happen to believe that Chris Christie's right. That's one of the few things he's been right about, actually. So you don't think it changes the dynamic much? I don't know if it does or not. So Donald Trump missing, very rare miss for Donald Trump, saying that Nikki Haley is going to get creamed and not making a joke about Chris Krispy Kreme would have been so easy. 
would have been so easy. Now, what is he talking about there? Saying that Nikki Haley's going to get creamed, going to get smoked, actually. Well, <laughs> Chris Christie, who has this unbelievable capacity to be just so uh, unintentionally funny. He's like an unintentionally really funny guy. I'm, very, I'm sad that Chris Christie dropped out because he's hilarious. And it's like funny to watch. And I wanted, we had a pitch in with his campaign for me and him to go to a Krispy Kreme shop. There's Krispy Kremes all over Iowa. Like, like come to a Krispy Kreme shop with me. Like, let's sit down, big plate of glazed donuts. I'll eat them with you, right? And we'll do a big interview. That was my pitch to him. Will it ever happen? I don't know. The offer still stands, Chris. Uh, crispy. But Chris Crispy, yesterday, while he was announced, while he was preparing to leave the presidential race, his mic was live, which is always a big no-no. His mic was live. And so during the live feed waiting slate, right? So the the event will begin soon. You could hear Chris Christie talking backstage about how Nick how just and just destroying Nikki Haley and destroying Ron DeSantis. Watch. People don't want to hear it, Wayne. <laughs> they don't want to hear it. We know we're right, but they don't want to hear it. Right. And and there's you know, we couldn't have been any clearer. Right. We couldn't have been any more any more direct or worked any harder. So you know, forget she spent sixty-eight Yeah. I mean, well, well, when you give land to China and places like that. I mean, yeah, that's what you get. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, she spent 68 million so far, just on TV. She spent 68 million so far, 59 million by DeSantis, and we spent 12. Yeah. Like, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. She hasn't even been. She's still 20 points behind Trump in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And he's going to—he's still going to carry out, right? Yes. Always. I, you know, I talked to De DeSantis calling me, petrified that I would. He's probably getting out of after Iowa. Well, DeSantis called me petrified. Nikki Haley's going to get smoked. She's not up to this. Oh, Chris. <laughs> Chris Christie dropped out yesterday. A uh, sad little event. And it was a sad little race. I mean, he never got above like two or three percent uh, in the polling. So uh, obviously a failed campaign and um, a campaign that was run to just for like just just TDS. Right. Chris Christie was there just to sort of try and take a piece off out of out of Trump. Didn't work. Donald Trump was like, I don't mind Chris Christie. I like him. I like him. And so it was a night like that for Trump. It was this like very interesting, like bring new people and old names back into the fold kind of night. Trump said, I call her beautiful Hillary at one point. Uh, so speaking of Hillary Clinton, now it was all made in jest. It was all made in joke. The audience laughed, but talking about like exactly how much better Hillary Clinton would have been from Joe Biden, right? Like going hard in at Joe Biden, the thing they are never going to allow, trust me, mark my words, thing they will never allow is Joe Biden to take a debate stage with Donald Trump. Donald Trump, peak of his game. Uh, Joe Biden, uh, not peaking at all. I, I don't think he would even get a peak if you were to hook him up to a heart monitor. I don't think there'd even be a bleep, bleep. I don't think you'd even get a pulse. Donald Trump on beautiful Hillary? What's he doing here? Watch. Go with it. But you do also have to put in there a little bit. You have to win elections. But if it weren't for me with Roe v. Wade, you wouldn't even be talking about this up. You wouldn't be asking that question because we're right back. I remember this. They're the radicals. We're not the radicals because they'll kill a baby. Remember, I had the debate with crooked Hillary Clinton, which I don't call her crooked anymore. I use that now for Joe Biden, as you know. I call her beautiful Hillary. She's a beautiful woman. But but 
in the debate with with Hillary Clinton, I said, I said, you know, she's willing to rip the baby out of the womb in the ninth month. And, you know, I never heard this. It happened to me. It just came to me during that debate. I didn't go up there thinking I was going to say that. And she even winced. Nobody wants to see that happening after a certain period of time. Nobody. They're the radicals because they're willing to kill the baby in eight months, nine months, or even after birth. So Donald Trump going in hard, obviously, on one of the the behind the scenes for the Democrat Party is that they are going to run really hard uh, on Roe v. Wade, obviously, abortion, child sacrifice, and that they are going to then run really hard against Trump. And so Donald Trump is simply going to have to flex on those two issues. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Because they have nothing else to run on. They have nothing else to run on. Donald Trump's in court today again in New York. They're going to try and bring cases against him. All those cases are now crumbling and are getting really clogged down in the mud. We're going to talk about the Fannie Willis case here in just a moment. It's going to be that. I mean, that now that is the crime of the century. That pales in comparison to what's going on with Hunter Biden. The fact that every single prosecutor that went after Donald Trump had private meetings, hour, hour, like multiple hour long meetings with White House staff before they brought their prosecutions. Who, baby. And now the argument that you can't have executive immunity for your actions as president. It really is. It now does quite literally become like a life or political death situation for Democrats to win in 2024, because now Joe Biden can be held accountable for 10 million uh, accounts of human trafficking, which is what he did on the border. Day one, you should charge Joe Biden, obviously, with the with the elector- election rigging corruption in, in lawfare against Donald Trump. But then like second and probably more important charge is what Joe Biden's done with our border. 10 million cases of human trafficking should be filed against Joe Biden on day one by a Trump Department of Justice, led by uh, Cash Patel, I think, right? That would be maybe my suggestion. Donald Trump saying deport- deportations is going to be the top priority of his next administration watch. We have millions and millions of people here. It is not sustainable. Did you see in New York City with it getting the regular students out and they're putting migrants in their place. We are going to have the largest deportation effort in the history of our country. We're bringing everybody back to where they came from. We have no choice. We have no choice. Well, I mean, that's promise. He did build 500 miles of wall on a 2000 mile border. So, I mean, he did in spite of all the sabotage, And speaking of sabotage from the Republican side, uh, Donald Trump on fancy shoes, Ron DeSantis. (laughs) We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, But, he, you know, despite all the sabotage, he did end up building the wall. It's not being enforced or protected. I've gone and seen the border wall. We've taken our show down to the border wall a couple of times. It is a big, beautiful wall. So the deportation process, what will that look like? Whew, baby. We'll see. Get ready for wild, wild times.
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Donald Trump talking about Ron DeSantis. Obviously, this has been a, a sore issue for Donald Trump. Uh, Ron DeSantis uh, probably got it the worst, worse than Nikki Haley last night uh, from Donald Trump, uh, talking about his fancy shoes. Uh, but then also noting that Ron DeSantis will probably drop out after Iowa. That's what we've been hearing and endorse Donald Trump. That's what we've been hearing. That Ron DeSantis, after Iowa, which the Iowa caucuses are on Monday, uh, that Ron DeSantis will drop out and then endorse Trump. And we'll try and like try and like like rebuild the bridge. Now, will that work for you? Will that work for the Republican base? Knowing what we know about Donald Trump, Donald Trump would be like, all is forgiven, right? We'll see. We'll see. He's gonna need a united front to go against um the demonic machine that is uh like quite clearly attempting to fortify once again their election uh, right now. The reason why Joe Biden is uh, getting screamed at in the White House by Barack Obama. Uh, but we'll see. Here's what here's Trump on fancy shoes to Sanchez last night. He's going to be out of the race very soon. He's going to be out very soon. You know, I watched him last night. He's standing up with his shoes, his fancy shoes. Uh, and he's going to be out of the race within, you know, a lot of people say before before New Hampshire. Before New Hampshire. What does that mean? Iowa. So the word on the street is that DeSantis does drop out. Spent a whole lot of money, uh, as Chris Christie said on the hot mic, and that DeSantis drops out before Iowa. And then what happens next? Well, what happens next is Donald Trump begins to build out a cabinet because then effectively there is no more competition against Donald Trump. The competition against Donald Trump is uh, the middling. Can we put up the polls? Do you have that real clear politics poll? Uh, let's do the Republican the Republican primary poll right now. Um, you can see in the the recent polls, no one's even able to no one's even able to crack like ten percent against Trump. So once you lose the people that can even crack into the double digits, which Nikki Haley's been in double digits, depending on the poll, Ron DeSantis has been in double digits, depending on the poll. Once you get rid of those, the race is effectively done. You know that I like Vivek, like I've, I like we've had a fun working relationship with Vivek, right? But um, the race is done. Okay. So here it is. Can we zoom in on that, please? And you can see here, Donald Trump, obviously very steadily uh, and in a very healthy manner gaining. This is, to this is total national polls. And you can see Haley and DeSantis muddling around the 10% mark. Nobody is able to crack 10% against Trump. Trump at 60%, right? And so the only hope is DeSantis either in Iowa. DeSantis has done a bunch of work in Iowa. But if he doesn't win in Iowa, he's got the endorsement of the governor and everything. Doesn't win in Iowa, it's finished, right? Nikki Haley in New Hampshire, that's the next great hope. Nikki Haley doesn't do well in New Hampshire, as Chris Christie's on the hot mic saying, right, in New Hampshire. Boom. Then it's done. Then it becomes about uh, the, like, it becomes Trump's party. It already is, but it becomes like the then the Trump administration marching forward and this is the biggest news out of last night. The biggest news out of last night, Ron DeSantis has been asked if he would take the VP spot, and Ron DeSantis said flatly no <laughs> for Ron DeSantis' administration. For, as, a Florida, as a Florida resident, hey, Ron, you got a state to run down here. Would love to have you back. You know what I mean? Like, this is where my kids are being raised. Would very much like to have your attention. I, you are a very good governor. I'd like to have your attention back down here. Thank you. Like speaking on behalf of a father of three who moved down here because of your policies, I'm proud to say Ron DeSantis inarguably either the most effective or one of the top three most effective Republican governors in my lifetime, right? So if you're a Florida resident, you know, if you want to move to Florida, you know, you can, you can see the results down here. 
Like, please come back and focus on the state. That's very important. Um, Ron DeSantis won't be VP. Nikki Haley, will she be VP? Well, let me tell you what. Donald Trump made huge news last night. I think probably the most newsworthy uh, moment of the night when Donald Trump said, uh, the VP selection has already been made. It's done. It's finished. Huh? Whoa. I mean, again, normally this is something that happens like in the summer. Like the VP, like who will become vice president? Like that's something that heats up after like you've locked up and clinched the, the process. But I bet you could see a VP announcement like in February for Donald Trump then. Like once everyone drops out. So who's it going to be? Check out this clip and I'll tell you what we know, what we found out in a series of late night phone calls last night. Watch. Who would be in the running for a vice president? Well, I can't tell you that, really. I mean, I know who it's going to be. Give us a hint. I'll give you. We'll do another show sometime. Well, what about any of the people who you've run against? Would you be open to mending fences with oh, any sure, of them? I will. I will. I've already started like Christy better. Uh, <laughs> no. Christy, no, Christy for vice president. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. That would be an upset. Christy for vice president. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to announce. No, I do I'm, want to get to this other question before. <laughs> do you hear the audience go boo no no chris christie <laughs> i have i have a soft i have a soft spot in my in my heart for chris christie he's funny he's a funny person i've done some interviews with chris christie not not this election cycle he's a funny person um and he you know he's like rapidly anti-trump and and, and that's because of personal animus he thought he was going to get a big time fat position in trump's administration they were so mean to him, too, when he dropped out. Breitbart went with uh, the GOP field is thinning because Chris Christie dropped out. Oh, man. OK. The Babylon Bee said that Chris Christie is uh, uh, Chris Christie is uh, dropping out to spend more time with his um, uh, family sized bucket of chicken or something like that. Like, oh, come on, guys. Come on. Come on. But you can see Donald Trump. I already like I already like Chris Christie better for VP. Here's the the here's the part that is a tell. OK. So this is a, here's the tell. I just want you to watch. I never replay clips on the show, but I do want you to watch. I do want you to watch the first like 10 seconds of this interaction. Because I believe this shows you who Donald Trump has already picked. Uh, we're going to replay this clip. Uh, clip A, please, Royce. Um, this is, this will tell you everything. Look at how Donald Trump interacts with the Fox News hosts. Who would be in the running for a vice president? Well, I can't tell you that, really. I mean, I know who it's going to be. Give us a hint. I'll give you. We'll do another show sometime. Well, what about any of the people who you've run against? Would you be? We'll do another show sometime. Ooh, mm. oh, you're going to like this. You're going to like this. Donald Trump says to Fox News. What does that tell you? We'll do a show sometime about it. What does that tell you? Well, who just had a show on Fox News canceled? Who is someone who's been reported in the corporate press as Melania's favorite news show that she's watched and her, his, her favorite anchor? Who's been reported in the press as the person that Melania is ad, act, like actively asking Donald Trump to name as vice president? Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson. Now, is that the best pick? Well, hot damn. Last night, people thought it really was the best pick. And as we've gone through and made a number of phone calls uh, late into the evening, I was up till like 
two o'clock in the morning, uh, just, just chit-chatting with some people. It's become quite clear to me that that's where the energy is. It's come quite clear to me that that, 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 that it's just a feeling. I would be lying to you if I told you that somebody told me, yes, it is Tucker Carlson. That's the pick. But I'd also be lying to you if I told you that that is not like absolutely in contention. And like qu- quite literally like the thing that is being like worked on behind the scenes the most. That's what I found out last night. Very, very interesting stuff. Now, Donald Trump's been dropping these breadcrumbs for a long time. Donald Trump was asked directly, are you going to pick Tucker Carlson? Check it out. Would you consider Tucker Carlson on your VP list? I want to give you a hypothetical here. You're a big sports fan. You know, like Nick Saban's going to retire at some point. And if you talk to the athletic director at Alabama, he would say he has a list. So would Tucker Carlson be on your list of potential VPs? And how many names might be on that list as you sit and look and survey the political field? Well, first of all, you know, I did my first, uh, you could call it counter-programming, but I, I won't call it that. But uh, Tucker wanted to do an interview during the first debate. And I think you know, because this is what your business is, we broke every record. Monster audience. In history, yeah. I think it just hit over 300 million people. Talk about it. Would you consider it's, it's t- Tucker, though, that they, based on the... I like Tucker a lot. I guess I would. I think I'd say I would, because he's got great common sense. You know, when they say that you guys are conservative or I'm conservative, it's not that we're conservative. We have common sense. So you have two guys, Tucker and Trump, that are in the public eye all the time that are going around saying the same thing about each other. Tucker Carlson asked if he would be Donald Trump's VP. Check this out. Uh, Where am I on Trump now? I love Trump. Um, Personally, I think we're going to see Trump's emergence as as the most significant thing to happen in American politics in 100 years because he reoriented the Republican Party um, against the wishes of Republican leaders. but when I think about Trump right now, so it's July of 2023, you know, I'm struck by his foreign policy views. You know, Trump is the only person um, with stature in the Republican Party, really, who's saying, wait a second, you know, why are we supporting an endless war in Ukraine? And that, you know, leaving aside whether Trump's going to get the nomination or get elected president or would be a good president, you know, I can't even assess that. All I can say at this point is I'm so grateful that he has that position. He's right. And everyone in Washington's wrong. Everyone. Mm. And Trump is right on that question. Come on. What a, what, a, what a thing to say. Donald Trump is right. And everyone in Washington is wrong. Well, doesn't that sound like someone who's interested in being vice president? I can tell you this. That. During interviews with Tucker that we've done live and during a wonderful dinner that we had with Tucker over the break, uh, myself, my family, actually just just my son, um, that we were able to have a very long dinner with Tucker. And uh, it's really neat to talk shop about a bunch of stuff like his views hasn't changed on that. Right. Like not to betray any private conversation, but like what he says, he's an authentic man. What he says in public is what he says in private is who he is in public is who he is in private. It was like sitting through like a three hour long private dinner, private like uh, 
Tucker Carlson Tonight Show. <laughs> it's like amazing. It's the same. It's so it's so refreshing when like these when like the people are the same. Where they're the same people, right? In front of the scenes and behind the scenes. It's awesome. It's awesome. So what I'm telling you, and I would tell you, if somebody has definitively told me it's Tucker. What I'm telling you is I'm getting a feeling. We're noticers. We're big time noticers on this program. Like that's our superpower. We're alive. We pay attention. So here's Tucker Carlson being asked about this directly uh, by Roseanne. Check out the answer. What do you think? I certainly support Trump. I'll tell you that. And I can tell you, I mean, I've always agreed with Trump's policies, always. And I lost friends over it. Um, But and I've never really actively supported anybody because it's not my job to actively support people. I watch, you know, I like to watch, Um, (laughs) but I'm a voyeur. Yeah. (laughs) But I became an active Trump supporter when they raided Mar-a-Lago last summer, the summer of 2022. That's just, that can't stand. No, that can't. And I agree with Trump on a lot, but even if I disagreed with Trump on a lot, I'd still be a Trump supporter because you cannot allow that. You cannot allow the you know, the regime, the president of the United States to use the Justice Department to knock the front runner out of the race. You can't do that. No, you can't do that. So it's bigger than Trump. It's bigger than Biden. It's a question of, you know, do you want to live in a free country with a functioning justice system? You know, that's exactly. And right. so I'm voting for Trump. And if they convict him, I will send him the max donations and I will lead protests. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. Because too. and by the way, if I thought that he had committed some real crime, I wouldn't feel that way. But he didn't. He and Biden are both found with classified documents at home, along with every other former high-level federal official in history, but only Trump is indicted. Like, tell me how that works. Oh, shut up. Uh, everyone in D. Okay, so let's 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 stack the evidence here. Everyone in D.C. is wrong, and Donald Trump is right. Everyone in D.C. is wrong, and Donald Trump is right. Tucker says, and then Tucker goes on to say, "I'll lead protests for Donald Trump." Well, <laughs> I mean, is this your ticket? Come on. I mean, like, are you are you are you ready for this, America? Let me know in the comment section, like fire off in the comment section. Trump, Tucker, that's got to be the bumper sticker. Trump, Tucker, 2024. Are you prepared for this? I would tell you if I had definitive knowledge, I would tell you if the people that I'm speaking with say anything other than the 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 audio that I can play for you here that they've said in public and on podcasts. I know this about Tucker. He doesn't desire or demand. Uh, he doesn't desire power. That's he, he's, he's lived in Washington, D.C. for a long time. Could have absolutely like done a campaign for himself like years ago. Could have like created a situation where he could run for office. And he's famous enough and he's powerful enough to have done that. He didn't. And so it wouldn't be about that. But uh, honestly, quite frankly, like sometimes like oftentimes. And almost always, the best leaders are the reluctant leaders. They can see things clearly. They can connect with people in a way that um, those who are just craven for power and desirous of power, jealous for power, and like see- searching and seething for power, that like that you sense that on a spiritual level, right? Tucker, on the other hand, is just a man of the people. This is Tucker Carlson walking into the UFC. Uh, event in Madison Square Garden. Just a reminder that this was this was inside of the bluest area in America, arguably, the most Democrat area in America. You have Tucker Carlson howling with laughter behind Donald Trump to the roaring cheers of thirty five thousand people in an arena. How kick ass is this? Kid Rock's obviously there. Don Junior's there. You can see Dana White there too. 
But this is what transcends politics. What would happen if Joe Biden tried to walk into a place like that? What would happen then? It wouldn't, it, you know, obviously wouldn't go the same way. <laughs> we had Tucker Carlson uh, live on a on a X space, right? Which is kind of like a, a, you know, the ability, it's like a, if you're not familiar with the, X, with the X platform, it's just being able to ask people questions on like, what's more like a radio interview, right? There's no video uh, component involved, but it's a really neat way to like listen to conversations live. And so I asked him directly, Melania wants you as VP. Here's his answer. Right. Here we go. Uh, Tucker, There, I'm sitting here looking at an article right now from Axios. And this article uh, says that Melania Trump wants you to be the vice presidential candidate for Donald Trump with Donald Trump in 2024. What do you say to Melania Trump? Well, she hasn't texted me that. And it's in, you know, a publication published in Washington. So I'm going to I'm going to kind of reserve judgment on that. Obviously, I'm flattered if it's true. I like Melania. I don't really know her, but she's Eastern European. So that suggests we have exactly the same attitudes about everything. Um, <laughs> so I'm flattered. <laughs> have you ever heard him say no? Have you heard him say no? I mean, I haven't heard him say no. Tucker Carlson suggested someone else for VP before. We're going to give you as, as clear of a picture as we can here. I'm talking about a feeling. I'm talking about like our job is to absorb energy. Tucker Carlson said maybe Vivek would make a great VP. And I would tend to agree, actually. Here. I mean, I but the case, I, I kind of like Vivek. I think he's one of those people who everyone beats up on Vivek for being he's a phony and all this stuff. I don't know. I, I've covered a lot of campaigns going back to 1992, and I've noticed this thing in many candidates, and I notice it in him. The process, the process of running for president and speaking three times a day and having people throw hostile questions in your face causes you to change. They all change during these campaigns, like for real, inside. And I feel like Vivek's positions have gotten much more sincere mm -hmm. since the beginning of this. Like he, I watch him with Nikki Haley, and I'm like, this is a guy who's very offended by her views, like for real. He's not attacking her because she's a woman. He's attacking her because he actually thinks her views are terrible for the country he lives in. And I love that. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? Tucker Carlson has said Donald Trump is the only right person in Washington and everyone else is wrong. He said he'd lead protests for Donald Trump. Tucker Carlson and Trump are obviously very, very close. You can see here them uh, at a golf championship at one of Donald Trump's clubs chanting, let's go Brandon together, again, howling with laughter. Here you go. You've never seen that clip on CNN or Fox News. <laughs> but you'll see it on this program. Because that's the energy, man. That's the energy. And Tucker and Trump laughing. Tucker and Trump like like together and bringing people together. I don't know. Yeah, throw up that photo of them laughing uh, or them, them at the event. It's great. I mean, I think it's great. They obviously have a, a wonderful working relationship. And as we posited last night uh, at the end of the show, when we brought on our all-star panel, Tucker Carlson could do his show from the vice president's office. He just do his show as VP. He could do a nightly show 
there from one observatory circle in Washington, D.C., uh, the Naval Observatory where the vice president lives. You just turn that into a you just turn that into a show. I just happen to have the uh, the JFK files that I marched over to the CIA and told them to give me here. Here, I'm going to read them to you live. <laughs> and the classified UFO files. I mean, how awesome would that be? A boy can dream, right? We don't have to dream, however, to see what how neat it would be to have a crossover event with Tucker and Trump. There's been an ad, unofficial, as far as I know, unofficial uh, ad with Tucker Carlson mo- uh, with Tucker Carlson monologuing uh, for Donald Trump in campaign ad form. And I feel like even though this wasn't produced directly by the Trump campaign, it is the most powerful message uh, for Donald Trump. It brought chills to me the first time I saw it. It is one of the most convincing ads, political ads I've ever seen, even though it was put together not by the campaign. Uh, uh, Tucker Carlson as a narrator for Trump's message and Trump as the tip of the spear. Uh, Please watch the most convincing campaign ad I've ever seen. Go. Millions of Americans sincerely love Donald Trump. They love him in spite of everything they've heard. They love him often in spite of himself. They love Donald Trump because no one else loves them. The country they built, the country their ancestors fought for over hundreds of years, has left them to die in their unfashionable little towns, mocked and despised by the sneering halfwits with finance degrees, but no actual skills who seem to run everything all of a sudden. Whatever Donald Trump's faults, He is better than the rest of the people in charge. At least he doesn't hate them for their weakness. Donald Trump, in other words, is and has always been a living indictment of the people who run this country. That was true four years ago when Trump came out of nowhere to win the presidency. And it's every bit as true right now. Trump rose because they failed. It's as simple as that. If the people in charge had done a halfway decent job with the country they inherited, If they cared about anything other than themselves, even for just a moment, Donald Trump would still be hosting Celebrity Apprentice. But they didn't. Instead, they were incompetent and narcissistic and cruel and relentlessly dishonest. They wrecked what they didn't build. They lied about it. They hurt anyone who told the truth about what they were doing. That's true. We watched. America is still a great country, the best in the world. But our ruling class is disgusting. A vote for Trump is a vote against them. That's what's going on in this country. It's inspiring. It's inspiring. Can you punch in a little bit on this photo? It's inspiring. And they're clearly clearly having a... Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson are both energy guys. They're, They're men who absorb energy and who make decisions based on their guts and what's right. And I, I, I'm I'm just telling you that this is what I feel. I'm also a man who like, uh, like notices I'm alive. I pay attention. And I think that this is it. When Donald Trump announces that he's already made his decision and that's already done, and he looks at Fox with a smirk, Let's, let's load up that clip one more time. He looks at Fox with a smirk and he goes, <laughs> we'll do another show on this. It's because he knows that Tucker Carlson's name has been banned from Fox News. 
This is just me reading the tea leaves. I'm alive. I notice things. He's, he knows that Tucker Carlson's name has been banned on Fox. Alex, can we get that clip? That funny clip of Donald Trump talking about Tucker Carlson and Fox cuts the feed? Cut the feed! Trump knows this. Fox News hosts aren't allowed to say Tucker Carlson's name because of the very ugly breakup that Fox News created. And this is why Trump was smirking and chuckling to himself last night because he knows that Fox News will effectively have to give Tucker her show back. <laughs> like, like Tucker Carlson will go right back on Fox. He'll force it by making Tucker Carlson his vice president. Oh, man. What incredible vindication. What a beautiful story arc that would be, ladies and gentlemen. And that's why Donald Trump says to the Fox News hosts who are like clawing and begging him, like, give us your VP choice. That's why he says, you're going to have to do another show about that. Watch. Who would be in the running for a vice president? Well, I can't tell you that, really. I mean, I know who it's going to be. Give us a hint. I'll give you, we'll do another show sometime. Well, what about any of the people who you've run against? Would you be open to mending fences with oh, any sure, of them? I will, I will. I've already started like Christy better. Uh, <laughs> no. Christy, no, Christy for vice president? I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. That would be an upset. Christy for vice president. You know, Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to announce. No, I do no. want to get to this other question before. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, there it is. Okay. We'll, we'll show you exactly why Trump said that. Again, we're alive and we notice. We're alive and we notice. Donald Trump speaking in South Carolina. Donald Trump was talking after the Tucker Carlson interview. And the reason why Donald, you can tell, you can see the tell, even in a poker player like Donald Trump, even you can see the tell is because Tucker's name is banned on Fox. And when Donald Trump said Tucker Carlson's name, because they'd done a very successful interview, then Fox had to cut away. And Donald Trump thinks this is patently hilarious. If you pick Tucker Carlson as your VP, then Fox has to give him his show back. <laughs> Come on. Watch. Four. And we're at just about 60% already, and we're going up, and we're the only ones going up. They're going down. They're going down, down, down. They ought to stop wasting their time. You know, they're wasting a lot of time with these ridiculous debates that nobody's watching. Their last debate was the lowest-rated debate in history. That's a good compliment, isn't it? Now, what was I doing, Marjorie? I was someplace else, wasn't I, huh? I was doing another interview. We had 271 million people listening to the Tucker Carlson interview. That's an all-time So here we are, uh, back in the thick of campaign season. We are now just four months away from the Iowa primaries. And you see former President Trump in a place where... <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> what was I doing? I was on the Tucker Carlson show. Cut! Cut the feed! Ah! <laughs> so good. Oh, man. It was awesome. So Trump knows that. And he knows that that's going to that's gonna bring great salt to some of the people that tried to stop him. And that's always got, brought Donald Trump great joy. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's more, there's more salt. 
ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that is just so good. And, and by the way, I'm just I'm reading a message here that Vivek is uh, getting set up. And so Vivek Ramaswamy will be joining us. And I cannot wait to ask him about this. Vivek, are you going to be VP? Is it going to be you? We'll ask in just a second. They're just getting set. And so we have time to salt that lib before we get to Vivek Ramaswamy live. Salt that lib for the day. If you're if you're new to the show, we salt a lib every single day like a slug. And so get your salt shakers out. I want salt shakers in the comment section, okay? Pouring through the comment section. Uh, Rolls-Royce has promised me he will get me a comically sized large salt shaker that I will put right here for the show. It'll say salt that lib on it. You can actually buy the salt that lib shirt in the in the uh, in the our new store that we've just launched on the webs on our website, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, salt that lib for the day is Mika reading through the latest polls for Donald Trump. Wait till he announces Tucker maybe as a vice presidential candidate. Wait for these polls to go up. Tucker Carlson, Donald Trump, Mika Brzezinski on MSNBC on her uh, a therapy session. Sad therapy session morning show. Um, hysterical. She's brought to the point of tears reading Donald Trump's polls. Get out your salt shakers, ladies and gentlemen. Here is our salt that lib of the day. Mika Brzezinski crying on camera reading Donald Trump's most recent poll numbers. <laughs> caucuses. New polling shows former President Trump making larger inroads with two key groups when compared to 2016, evangelicals and first-time caucus goers. NBC News national political correspondent Steve Bernanke is with us from the big board. Steve, what are the latest polls showing us about Trump's gain with these two groups? I'm just... I... I'm, I have no words for evangelical voters at this point. The overriding reason that Donald Trump lost Iowa in 2016 is right here. This is the exit poll from the caucuses. This is the evangelical vote. About 64% of the Iowa Republican electorate in 2016 was evangelical. And look, Ted Cruz won it. He won it by double digits, 34 to 22 over Donald Trump. So Cruz with a double digit win among evangelicals, there was a lot of resistance. Resistance, a lot of skepticism. Trump had some support with evangelicals, but Cruz was the candidate of the evangelicals in Iowa in 2016, and he won the state. So that was 2016. Our most recent NBC News Des Moines Register poll out of Iowa. This is about a month old, but this is what we've been seeing all year among evangelicals. Look at the turnaround. Trump, who was losing by 12 to Ted Cruz, now with an outright majority, 51% of the evangelical vote, basically two to one over his nearest foe, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, barely in double digits, 51%. That tracks, by the way, with Trump in that poll, his overall support in Iowa. Trump mm. with a 51-point advantage over his nearest foe here, Ron DeSantis. So he's had those two groups not just change in, in terms of one going for him that wasn't before. They have both exploded in terms of him now just winning outright majorities, massive landslides with both groups. It's why he's been so consistently ahead in Iowa. Wow. NBC Steve Kornacki, thank you very much. I think we'll see a lot of you soon. Uh, joining us now, NBC News. <laughs> That's so good. Did you hear her voice crack? <laughs> Donald Trump's polling. Throw up the throw up the poll, by the way. Throw up the Trump. 
Let's do Trump versus Biden general election, real clear politics. You can see it, ladies and gentlemen, what she's looking at and how she is crying. Uh, it is so unbelievably salty and so delicious. And I need my sodium for the day. And so it's just, just wonderful, wonderful to see. Something that wasn't wonderful to see, ladies and gentlemen, as I am being told by our producers, look at that. The red, of course, is Donald Trump. Donald Trump gains. The blue are, are Biden gains. Holy schmoly. By the way, these are also the polls that said that uh, Joe Biden was going to win by 20 points in the year 2020. These are the polls that said that we've approached the possibility of Trump being president 0%. I have it framed in my office. Zero, front of the Washington Post, election day, November 9th, 2016. The possibility of Donald Trump becoming president is now 0%. That was what the Washington Post ran, The front, the, and these are the polls they were using. And now they're showing Trump winning 350 electoral votes. So how bad is it really? Woo, baby. How bad is it really? It was really bad last night uh, during a single, like during the entire, during the entire debate with CNN. But there was one question that had us rolling and howling and we got to play it. And we're going to ask Vivek Ranswamy, who's joining the show right after this clip uh, about this because he's dealt with Nikki Haley. He's dealt with Ron DeSantis. He's been on debate stages with them. But this is just such a unintentionally hilarious clip of Vivek, of, I'm sorry, uh, them being like effectively marriage counseled by the two snotty uh, moderators and Jank Tamper and Dana Bash at CNN. Like you couldn't get more like snooty, um, just like about as fun as a colonoscopy, two anchors on like just so pretentious, so prickly, these two. And then the people on the base stage were prickly. And so this is the clip that's like everyone's laughing at because it does look like a like a marriage council, like a like a student, it looks like a parent student teacher conference where the two parents are like. Uh, late stage getting divorced. Watch. You have been sparring on the campaign trail for months. We've seen some vicious attack ads going back and forth. And tonight we have had a very lively debate. On a different note, Governor DeSantis, let me ask you, what do you admire about Governor Haley? Well, look, I mean, I think that, um, you know, at the United Nations, um, I did think that she she spoke out strongly on some key issues. And I appreciated that. I also appreciate uh, the state of South Carolina. My wife uh, is a College of Charleston graduate. Um, her parents lived there for many, many years. And so it is a wonderful state. Uh, there's a lot of great people there. Um, and I think to be able to have been governor there is, is a great achievement. And um, I uh, really appreciate everyone I've gotten to meet in South Carolina. Governor Haley, what do you admire about Governor DeSantis? I think he's been a good governor. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we're going to squeeze in another quick break, and we'll be right back with more from the uh, Republican debate. Who gets the dog and who gets the kids? <laughs> oh, my God. Joining us now, Vivek Ranswamy from the road in Iowa. Let's go, baby. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll prompt you with this. Can you say a nice thing about Nikki Haley? Uh, you, it's going to mean it's one of the more challenging things I've been asked to do in this campaign, Benny. So I'm going to have to think long and hard about that. I mean, Ron DeSantis praised her time at the UN. Why do we? Why are we in the UN? Why are we funding the UN? And why it was just praising China as our great friends? So I'd have to think about it. I, I usually like a go-to answer is somebody's somebody's character as a family member, but I think there are some. Uh, 
I, I think there's some real challenges for me to answer that question right now, but let me get back to you, Benny. That's probably okay. the first, first question of this campaign that has stumped me outright. <laughs> you, you, your, your clips have gone, your clips have gone thermonuclear. You're having a lot of fun by doing something that Republicans never do, which is actually turn the questions back around on the press. And yeah. you had a clip yesterday that went really viral uh, doing that. What is, what is that strategy? Uh, why don't more Republicans understand that the base sees the press as ed- the enemy, as activists? And why do we always like pledge fealty and get down on our knees um, to do their debates and let these activists ask us questions like as moderators? It, made, it makes no sense. It seems self-debasing. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, yes. No, I don't think you're wrong about that. I think we have become in some ways a nation of sheep. And it's up to us not to be the sheep, right? We still swallow what we're force fed. And, you know, even, even myself three years ago, right? I was the CEO of a company. You don't, you, I like to think of myself as an independent thinker, but you still consume what the media tells you. If somebody told me that Jan 6 was an inside job back then, I would have said, oh, wait, that sounds kind of crazy. Now you get into the heart of the matter. Absolutely looks like it actually was the job of entrapment. And yet you say that now on CNN and they cut you off, which is exactly why the media need, needs to be held accountable. And so for me, I think the missing chain is this. The two enemies are the deep state and the mainstream media. The mainstream media in an older life was supposed to hold the government accountable. They're not doing that. But who's holding the media accountable? That doesn't exist in our ecosystem. Nobody's actually holding the mainstream media accountable. I mean, things like what you're doing come come to the closest thing we can see is podcasting or directly reaching people through the Internet. But I think that as a presidential candidate, they're trying to pretend to hold me accountable when they're not actually doing it to the government. I just decided, you know what, let's play this game in reverse and give people the actual facts. And I think once people's eyes are open, even people who might be you know, centrist or on the left or whatever, but don't believe in the actual indoctrination that's happening right now in the country, people want their eyes open. And you know what? If you show somebody how they've been duped, you bring them along with the ardence of a convert. And I think that's what we need to do in this country. So why am I doing it as a presidential candidate? I think we're going to bring in a lot of people into our movement, our America First movement in a way that we would have never happened. Because once you convert somebody to see what they never once saw, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you see that level of corruption about the media, about somebody who has systematically lied to you and duped you, then that builds an allegiance to our movement that lasts. And so I think that's part of how we're going to win this election in a landslide. And I think exposing the media is just an important element of getting there. Last night, Donald Trump said that he has already selected his vice president. Is it you? Hmm. Well, I, I, we, he and I haven't talked about it. So I would say this is I've also got a lot of questions here about in Iowa about whether for the people who support me, would I consider Donald Trump as my vice president? So either way, he's he's a good man. I'm a good man. I think these are the two acceptable choices for the future of our America First movement. Uh, I believe it's going to take somebody with fresh legs leading from the front. Let's see what happens here in Iowa, Benny. I think it's going to be a major surprise on Monday night. But either way, I'm in this for the country. Trump is in this for the country. He has my support if he's the nominee, and I expect his support if I'm the nominee. I'm worried, though, there's something deeper going on, Benny, is I think that the question of who's going to be Trump's VP bakes into it a kind of, I would say, false comfort that we shouldn't have right now. I mean, again, I think what they're doing is they want to narrow this down to a two-horse race between Trump and a puppet they can control. That puppet's name is Nikki Haley, hiding in plain sight. They want to eliminate Donald Trump and then trot in their puppet into the White House. That's how this game is being played. And so I'm refusing to sit here as a passive bystander watching that happen in front of our eyes. That's why I'm in this to the very end. And I'm going to be in this. I think it's going to take a leader who can take that apparatus on to take our movement forward. Somebody with fresh legs 
and I'm in this to the very end. I expect to be the next president. I hope it's not under the conditions that I just laid out, but mm. God forbid something happened this year. I don't want our movement to look back next January and say, hey, were we surprised that that happened? No, we're not going to have been surprised. We're going to say, what the heck were we thinking walking straight into that trap? Yeah. And so I think if people opened their eyes, last time it was a man-made pandemic, it was a rigged election, tech-rigged process leading up to it. This time they're going to stop at nothing. I mean, Benny, if you think these people are just going to let Donald Trump get back into the White House, anybody who thinks that, I would say, open your eyes. Mm -hmm. Actually understand they've been selling us the rope for a long time. They're going to use it to hang us tomorrow. These people will stop at nothing. And increasingly, I mean nothing to keep this man away from the White House. We can't fall for their trick. Our movement didn't start in 2016. It started in 1776. And so that's why I'm in this and we're going to go the distance. So you've obviously been hitting the trail. You've been uh, dominating in number of events. I saw the graphic. It was pretty, really impressive. Like 250 events in Iowa compared to like dozens for other candidates. And you've obviously been speaking to the people and you've probably felt uh, a great deal of the fear and uh, pain that normal people have. And if you, if you get outside your bubble, then you actually, if, if you leave Nantucket, if you leave Martha's Vineyard, then you actually realize that things are getting destroyed in this country at a very quick pace. And then people are uh, people are really starting to worry for the first time in my life about th their future. Now, this is evidenced by Michelle Obama in this hilarious clip where Michelle Obama, like weepily uh, yesterday, did a podcast where she talked about the most terrifying thing in America right now is not inflation. It's not an open border. It's not fentanyl. It's not the Chinese or an ongoing, ongoing multiple wars on multiple fronts. Uh, it's not the butchery that's happening to our children in schools. It's Donald Trump. Michelle Obama crying, and I'd like to get your reaction to this clip. The things that yeah. keep me up because you, you don't have control over them. Mm -hmm. And you wonder, where are people, where are we in this? You know, where are our hearts? What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen because our leaders matter, who we select who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit, it affects us in ways that I, sometimes I think people take for granted. Mm, it's so terrifying. That's the, th that's the thing that keeps her up in Martha's Vineyard. In one of their multiple palatial mansions on the beach, um, not the global warming that will, of course, consume her mansion, but that, but Donald Trump. Um, is that what you have sensed on the road? Uh, like, is that what people tell you? Yeah, that's, that's, that's not what my sense is from having traveled this country. And, and you know what? If you count the smaller events we've done, Benny, it's 390 some events here in Iowa. Wow. What she's saying, oh, she's, she's scared. I, I was waiting for her to say, I'm shaking. That was her Van Jones impression, I suppose, which is what Van Jones says about me. It's what she's saying about effectively, she appears to be saying it about Trump. This is artificial. This is artificial nonsense. People in this country aren't buying it. I do want to say one thing, actually, now that I'm watching her saying that, that it seems like, you know, a lot of people read that as she might be floating her own puppetry as yeah. the volunteer to be the puppet who they prop up. And the only thing I will say as a caveat to what I said earlier is what I think is going on in the DNC is you got the people who are propping up the establishment. They've lost their use for Joe Biden. But if they get Joe Biden out of the way, they have a Kamala Harris problem. So I think they've actually chosen to solve that by propping up Nikki Haley within the Republican primary, get into a two horse race, eliminate Trump one way or another and trot in Haley. Clearly, the backup plan to that is then Michelle Obama, who then solves their Kamala Harris problem because she has certain things in common with Kamala Harris that the Democratic Party needs to have as boxes that are checked.
for the people who they're placating and distracting with woke smoke to actually foist on them foreign wars and a surveillance state that the left used to not accept, except they now do if you put up women of color to say that they're the ones who are your spokespersons. So that's that's kind of the deeper game that's going on is if Nikki Haley's puppet in version 1.0 of the GOP primary doesn't work out, that's what they're playing for. Get a Trump and Haley, knock out Trump, trot and Haley's puppet number one. Michelle Obama is clearly who they're cultivating as backup plan number two. Puppet number two is waiting in the wings to do it. So that's, I think, what's going on there. But this I'm shaking nonsense. You know, I, I had uh, I, I had some views to Van Jones on that one that I shared at AmFest. And I would encourage Donald Trump or whoever else Michelle Obama's talking about to tell her much the same. Yeah, you told him to go F himself. Much very big time Elon Musk yeah, energy. Close to that. Close to that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Okay, so some people that really are um, getting completely effed is some of the DEI uh, and some of the forced racism that is happening at your at your alma mater, right? Harvard, pushed by the Obamas, and you're seeing some major sea changes there, and you're seeing a number yeah. of woke billionaires coming out being like, "I didn't know I was supporting actual racism. F this, not doing it anymore." Bill Ackman, who's now sounding more like a Vivek donor, uh, to be quite honest with you, and so it's yeah. like. What like what like what? How do you capture that? How do you how do you harness that? Um, does that really add, that seems to be adding quite a bit to the pressure of twenty twenty four because the entire regime could collapse right if they don't get the result they need in the election. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's right. I think that's why they're panicking, and I think that that's why these people will increasingly stop at nothing. I mean, when you think you're on the moral high ground, that's what leads people to ratchet up and. If you think that morality, your morality requires you to violate the rules of the present, then they're going to stop at nothing because it's about the higher morality to them. It's a religious worldview of the modern doctrine of the of the regime. And so that's why they don't have to abide by the normal rules or increasingly even the normal laws, which is why I say they'll stop at nothing. Now, the Claudine Gay thing, there's so much there. I mean, everyone's talked about, myself included, the affirmative action element of this. I mean, this woman would not have gotten her job in, in a million years if it weren't for her genetics, her race and her gender. She's in the last 20 years written like 10 papers that's and, and zero books. I've written more books and more articles in the last couple of years on the side while building businesses than she, this woman has as opposed to academic for her entire career over 20 plus years. And even turns out half the articles she did write were just copy and paste of other people's articles. So she would have never gotten that job. But there's a deeper issue here that doesn't have to do with the race and gender. She was a product of bureaucracy, actually, Ben. She wasn't even somebody who was a real academic in any true sense of the word. She rose through the bureaucracy ranks at a university. And so when we think about this rot known as the swamp, right? The swamp does not just exist in Washington, DC. It doesn't just exist in the government. It exists in every sphere of our lives. And so that's, I think, part of what we have to wake up to is it's not just the swamp in DC. It's the swamp in our universities, in, D in the DEI training sessions, in the HR departments of corporate America, in K through 12 education, in the teachers unions, in unions of many other kinds as well. It's not just in the public sector alone. It's it's a horizontal managerial class, the transnational institutions, people who staff up the UN, NATO. It goes beyond traditional partisan boundaries. It goes beyond just the public sector to private sector. It even goes beyond national boundaries. It's the same kind of people who become the associate dean of God knows what, who then become the ambassador to some second rate country abroad, who then become the undersecretary of God knows what, who then become the vice president of something or other, an HR department and a consultant in corporate America sitting on some middling company's board. It's this horizontal managerial class that's crushing the will of the everyday citizen. 
That's really what this problem is all about. We call it the Great Reset, the dissolving of public and private sector boundaries to crush the citizen. That's what's going on in this country. And so I know we're getting into some heavy duty stuff there, but that's effectively how I see the real threat in this country. And Claudine Gay is just one more example of a manifestation, not just of the affirmative action agenda, but of that bureaucratic agenda in our institutions. But it is a, but it is a real threat and it is actually crushing it people, is. like the people who could be sitting on a United Airlines flight and have the door blow out because yes. of DEI initiatives, right? How would you put a stop to that as president? And affirmative action, period. And the president can do that. So there was an executive order actually that Lyndon Johnson loaded, wrote into the law. Not a lot of people know this. That's how affirmative action started. It was executive order 11246. That happens to be the number of it. Every Republican president could have canceled it, but every Republican president gets scared because they say that that's not the political hill they want to die on. Well, you know what? You can drag my dead body out of the White House sooner than me rescinding this. Okay, I'm going to get the right thing done for this country. End toxic racial discrimination. The best way to end discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. Cancel all those executive orders from the government that say that if you're getting federal money or if you're doing business with the federal government, that's 20% of the U.S. workforce working for such a company, you can't engage in race-based discrimination, period. Restore merit and meritocracy. As commander-in-chief, end a lot of that agenda in our own U.S. military. Clean house at the Pentagon, the General Mark Milley's of the world, should come nowhere near the Pentagon in the first place. They're blowing woke smoke to deflect the left, who the left used to be the ones criticizing him for the Iraq war. They placate the left with the DEI and affirmative action nonsense. And so it becomes this arranged marriage between the institutional bureaucrats that the left used to criticize for everything from the 2008 bailouts after the financial crisis to even the wars in Iraq, which actually the left used to correctly criticize the Bush-Cheney fascist administration for. But what they created was a new arranged marriage between that permanent state and the left to give the left the woke smoke they need to inhale. But it placates the left from criticizing them from their own actual national security state and foreign policy overreaches. And so again, we're covering like book length, you know, subject matter here in like a, you know, two minute exchange, but that's what's going on in this country. And so I put an end to it in part by shutting down the bureaucracy, in part by rescinding the executive orders that created a lot of the toxic racialized agendas in the first place. And I think it takes a president, Benny, who actually understands the detail of this. Yes, an outsider who comes in with sharp elbows and can break things and I broke the debate stage in the same way I'll break the bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. But it's also going to take somebody who knows and understands the law and the Constitution. And I think you need both to get it done. And they're telling me I got a roll, man. We're arriving at our next stop here in Iowa. Uh, thankfully, thankfully, you're not on a flight, so I'm not worried about the, blo- the yeah. door blowing off uh, because of a DEI hire. Well done, Vivek. Uh, Godspeed. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. Heavy topics with Vivek. Heavy topics with Vivek. Michelle Obama terrified. Terrified. She's kept awake at night because of Donald Trump. Oh, baby. What like like what keeps me awake at night, actually, is assuming that there is an entire oligarchy, an entire government, and a, a group of people that are outside of the bounds of law. And Michelle Obama's one of them. That's what actually like scares the hell out of me. You saw that on display yesterday with Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden on Capitol Hill. Now we were covering this live, so we weren't able to like properly distill all of the things that happened. But it, it's worth recapping here that somebody felt that a, 
a member of the American public felt so entitled, su such a sniveling little weasel child, such an entitlement of oligarchy that he stormed into a congressional hearing holding him in contempt for not doing something that every other American has to do, which is when you're subpoenaed by Congress, you have to sit, you have to go to Congress. They are a branch of the federal government. You have to go up there and you can plead the fifth 20,000 times in a row, but you have to sit there and listen to their questioning. You have to sit for an interview. When you, when you get a congressional subpoena, that's something you must do. Multiple people that we like, Peter, Peter Navarro, Steve Bannon, they, they're facing uh, jail time for not doing these things. Ladies and gentlemen, Hunter Biden like felt like he had the oligarchical entitlement to march in there and say, I am I am more important than Congress. I, I am above you, me, like Hunter Biden, the sex trafficker, Hunter Biden. It was a wild scene when Marjorie Taylor Greene began to ask uh, about Hunter, got the opportunity to ask Hunter Biden a question in the hearing. Of course, like a like a spoiled brat, like this entitled prick rich kid, he storms out. There's somebody who's going to tell him something he doesn't want to hear. He runs away. Kind of defeats the purpose, right? When Marjorie Green, who's five foot nothing, a little blonde, like starts asking you a question, you tuck your tail and run, piss your pants. This is what happened yesterday. Gentlemen, time's expired. Chair, recognize Miss Green from Georgia for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse me, Hunter. Apparently, you're afraid of my words. Uh, here <laughs> oh. I'd like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Wow, that's too bad. <laughs> it's kind of neat seeing these guys out in public because it gives an opportunity for people to ask Hunter Biden questions that he wouldn't normally get inside of his bubble. Hunter Biden asked multiple times what kind of crack he was on on Capitol Hill. Mr. Biden, why did you put your dad on speakerphone with your business partners if you had no involvement in your business? That's a more. Do you have a dad? Did he call you? Did he answer the phone? Yes. Okay. But why did you need to talk to him during business meetings if he had nothing to do with your business? Do you please, I'll answer your question if you be quiet and let me make a statement, okay? What kind of crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? What kind of crack do you normally smoke, Mr. Biden? Give him a Pulitzer. Give that man. Who is that man? Who is that man? I want him booked for the show. I want him booked right now. Let's do it. Jill Biden asked, um, hey, listen, Jill, we know you're a homewrecker. You're the babysitter of Hunter Biden, right? You came in. Um, you were able to get Hunter's dad to cheat with you on his wife, and you were cheating on your husband with uh, Hunter's dad, and so you've destroyed effectively their childhood. This is, a, this is your problem, right, Jill? You're like a horrible person, Dr. Jill. What are you a doctor of exactly? Oh, education? Got it. So you're not a doctor who can help people. So, like, where do, where do you teach? You talk a lot about your students in your classes. Where are they? What students do you teach? We've searched 
And we've never found any uh, capacity to sign up for a Jill Biden class. It's all fake. Just like Jill Biden's mewling, bitching, ear, just skin grating commentary on Hunter Biden in an interview that dropped yesterday. Watch. How have you been coping personally uh, with the onslaught of accusations against your husband and your family, including and especially Hunter? It's the focus of a House Oversight Committee hearing, holding him in contempt, obsessing over him, showing pictures of him during vulnerable moments in his battle with addiction on the floor of the House. This would crush any family. Mika, I, I think what they are doing to Hunter is cruel. And I'm really proud of um, how Hunter has rebuilt his life uh, after addiction. You know, I'm, I love my son and it's had, it's hurt my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm so concerned about, that it's affecting their lives as well. Not your son, not your son. So, Joe, Joe Biden's wife's son. Let, let's get this straight. Jill Biden, give me that photo. Jill Biden was the babysitter of Hunter Biden. And she was cheating on her husband with Joe Biden, who was cheating on his wife, who's Hunter's mother. So your stepson, that's a fact. And you know that Jill Biden's, Jill Biden's husband uh, is like openly talking to the media about these things. We cannot wait to get up to Delaware to actually interview this guy. Openly talking to the media. The media is totally incurious about Joe Biden, the homewrecker. Also saying that Hunter Biden's the victim? That it's cruel what they're doing to Hunter Biden? No, no, no. What's cruel is what Hunter Biden did to the hundreds of women that he's on tape abusing. What's cruel is Hunter Biden flaunting the crack laws that his daddy passed that locked up hundreds of thousands of young black men but he gets to skate time and time and time and time and time again. What's cruel is Hunter Biden lying to his ex-wife that he has no money while he's spending $350,000 a year on hookers. He can't play alimony to their children. What's cruel is you, witch, not acknowledging your grandchild, your legitimate grandchild, Hunter Biden, well, your stepson's child, biologically. Her name is Navy Joan Roberts. And she lives in Arkansas. And you hung Christmas stockings for the dog instead of your grandchild. Leading to the New York Times having to publish a headline saying it's seven grandkids, Mr. President. You don't have six grandkids. You have seven grandkids. That's what cruelty is, you witch. One person's opinion. Cruelty also, of course, is um, stealing from regular Americans, stealing our inheritance, right? By allowing people who weren't who weren't born here, who, have, who share nothing of uh, our culture to like flood our nation, stealing from us uh, through the inflationary policies of your husband, destroying our currency, destroying the value of our currency and the value of what I'm saving for my kids. And that's why I protect myself by investing in gold. I protect myself with allegiance gold by diversifying some of my savings for my children uh, into precious metals because they actually withstand the test of time because actually like the, the government can't actually like fiddle with the gold market because it is a precious metal. And because it is a limited commodity, uh, the, the value is secured, ladies and gentlemen, uh, unlike the value of the American dollar, go to protect today 
or call 844-66-BENNY. Get up to $5,000 free silver with a qualifying purchase. Protect your future now with Allegiance Gold. You can also protect your future, uh, ladies and gentlemen, by, well, tuning into this program. (laughs) The reason why uh, you can do that is because we on this program have the same uh, values that you do. I have three kids under the age of three. I'm a father, and this country is theirs. They are Native Americans. They were born here. This is where they live. Their grandfathers and grandparents and great-grandparents were all born here. This is our country. This is our home. We are not colonizers in this place. This is our place, and the soil under their feet is theirs, and I wish to leave that to them, and I wish to fight to preserve this place simply as a having an inheritance to pass on to my children. It's biblical. I don't want to leave my children with debt or with a dumpster fire, and so that is why I fight. If you wish to fight with us, please join the Betting Brigade. The Betting Brigade is our uh, members-only subscription network that allows us to carry on the show independently. Um, we've been really blessed with an unbelievable uh, uh, number of people response to this for the price of a $5 footlong uh, a month. Uh, you can help support our program directly. Uh, that uh, It really insulates us and allows us to continue to do this without um, having to have our strings pulled by corporate media. I think it's, it's hard. You could count on one hand the number of shows out here that like aren't owned by either a corporation, a hedge fund, or some type of like larger overall network that does control and 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 rig what you can say. And so we thank you for allowing us to stay independent. We know that times are uh, economically tough out there. So if you can't, that's fine. Just watching us alone, like help support us. But if you feel compelled, go to bennyjohnson.com slash brigade uh, and check out our brand new merch section at shopbennyjohnson.com. I'm working hard on that. We're very excited about some of our new products. Um, extremely based. It's also extremely based our verse of the day from John. 1334. A new commandment I give you that you should love one another just as I have loved you. So you must love one another. We love you in this audience. Uh, We care very much about you, about the future for your children, about the future of this nation. Um, And we try our hardest to, to practice, to practice loving one another. Like the, the, the greatest love that we could show right now to our countrymen is obviously to be like strong and true in our, in our Christianity and and like in 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 what we truly believe, and then two to call out evil to its face, but to call out evil, to fight it, to have the energy to fight it. Sodom and Gomorrah can be saved if one good man or one good woman can be found. That that's the deal. So be that one good man and that one good woman with me. Let us fight evil together, and that is a really really noble legacy. It's your boy, Benny. Thanks for watching. See ya.